Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about why my clients increasingly hate aging more now than they did years ago. And um, accounting for, you know, that I've been working with kind of similar age groups, obviously, had I only used to work with 20-year-olds and now I work with 40-year-olds, it would be largely irrelevant. But (laughs) 20-year-olds don't come into therapy, uh, at least not couples counseling, um, as much as older people. And so I have noticed that over time, people have seemed to uh, get worse and worse about accepting aging. And we will talk about why just as soon as I tell you to subscribe. There's over 125-something episodes that you can get only if you're a subscriber. That's $5.99 a month, and it's the best money that you'll ever spend, um, except also my Facebook group's pretty good money. Okay, so anyway, moving on. So uh, there are so many variables here, and I relate them all to our larger society. So people used to not, nobody used to like aging, right? But it was like known, like you would just get older and then you would be at a different stage of life. And, you know, so women would kind of cut their hair to signify that they were older. Remember when all older women used to have like the same haircut? That was when we were little. And, um, you know, they didn't have sex as much and that was just what it was. And really, yes, men could be lonely, but it wasn't like... It, it wasn't the end of the world, even just 10 years ago, the same way as it is now, the way that it feels to men in their 40s when they are not having as much sex as they want or men in their 50s. To what do I attribute this in my own hypotheses, my own ideas? There are many reasons. One of them is the ubiquity of internet porn. And I know I say this a lot. So it's not just internet porn, though. It's also intimacy porn, which was my phrase. Um, and I have a podcast about that. So even just like going on Instagram or on Facebook or anywhere, TikTok, of course, you see these like couples that are still supposedly having sex and it isn't even porn. So the guys that are being like, quote, good and staying away from porn, you should certainly like read, um, and listen to everything that I've written on that porn use can be pretty bad for marriages, especially if you are already unhappy with your sex life. It is not the outlet that you think. Frequently, it can metastasize into really a cancer for your marriage. And uh, if you have any addictive tendencies, it's, it's no good. But anyway, um, it's not only porn. Some guys aren't even watching porn. But then they watch social media. And social media makes you think that everybody's in these happy marriages. Whereas like a man's primary um, primary source of social, you know, interaction used to be actually hanging out with other dudes. And if you go like bowling league with other guys, they weren't sitting there talking about how much they got laid. That's like just really not something that would happen, you know, because people don't talk about the intimate details of their married sex lives, especially men don't with other men. So you'd go out and you would socialize, which is releasing of dopamine anyway. And, you know, you would think, oh, we're probably all probably in the same boat, no matter what our boat is. However, now, People do not socialize as much, so this is a uh, kind of a sociological level variable. People don't socialize as much in person, and instead they convince themselves that social media, catching up with friends on social media, is the equivalent in our busy lives. And why are they so busy? I'll get to that next. But um, so, but you're not only catching up with friends on social media, of course, you're also looking at strangers. So the friends are bad enough because they're only posting the pictures and videos of like how happy they are. They're not really happy, you know. <laughs> I mean, some of them are, but they're not all really happy. 
And, um, but then you also see strangers who are like literally content creators that are producing, you know, this content of happy couples, like guys making their wives laugh. This guy has a whole fucking account of him just telling jokes and his pretty wife just laughing and like, oh my God, that's worse for guys than seeing, you know, videos of blowjobs. Holy shit. You know, so you think that this woman and her ilk exist out in the natural world and you're like the only one that is the fool that is with your dick in your hand, you know, like twice a week because your wife only wants sex once a week. And that's not true. Kind of many people are in the same boat of feeling that midlife is a lull, you know, in terms of excitement, but it, it didn't used to feel so isolating when you weren't bombarded with these curated images and videos of of perfection in the relationship sphere, whether it's people that you know or people that you don't. Now, why is everybody so busy that they can't go out anymore? They can't hang out. They can't do their bowling leagues and everything. Well, obviously, many sociologists have written about this, right? There's literally a book, Bowling Alone, so this is hardly original. And it was probably written 30 years ago, so it's even less original. But the point that I see, the impactful variable that I see primarily, is child-centered marriages. So instead, like... Uh, parents don't socialize themselves. If they do, they bring the kids even to the party that they go to. But most parents do not socialize with other adults um, except at like the kids' team events or something like that if the kid has sports. And the kids' extracurriculars just totally rule everything. Doing homework with the kid and then doing the extracurriculars with the kid and then feeding the kid and then all of this. The child's um, sports or music or whatever it holds, you know, it's a tyrant over the rest of the family's routine. So most people don't really get to go out or they tell themselves that they cannot socialize with other adults that much because they're always supposed to be with the family and with the children. So there's more isolation now in terms of being able to socialize with other adults. That all makes people upset, you know, it makes them more depressed, but it also makes them turn more to social media as their primary way to socialize, which has its attendant risks for self-comparison, as I just previously discussed. Now, the child-centeredness of the marriages has another main effect on this uh, lack of acceptance of aging, which is that as soon as your kid is born, basically until they're at least 18, if not older, because of how many kids are living at home, refusing to get licenses, etc. Don't even drive themselves places. You know, like it's, it's, um, it's basically like your life is on ice, you know, or it can be. This isn't everybody, obviously. But in a worst case scenario, particularly for more anxious people that are more child-centered, it really feels like your midlife years are just kind of um, sacrificed completely to career and children in a way that, you know, they were not as sacrificed as completely in prior generations when parents were not so child-centered. My favorite statistic is the study that, of course, I mean, I can't cite it now. You can look it up that said that working mothers now spend more time, more one-on-one time with their kids than stay-at-home mothers did in the 50s or the 60s or something. I mean, that's crazy, right? Kids used to all go outside, do their own thing. Now, it's all one-on-one time, all enrichment time, all special talking to mommy and daddy and validating your feelings time, which is nice in certain regards. And in certain regards, it gets to be excessive and sacrificial on behalf of the parents who have nothing but the best intentions and want to rectify the, uh, you know, ills of their own child. Childhood, but yet, when all of this coalesces, you end up with people who spend basically like most of their 30s and 40s not living for themselves at all.
So then, if you're going to tell them, which is only the truth, that in your 50s, you get old, you know? I mean, that shit happens. Like, you go through menopause. You go into a different stage. Men do, too. A 50-year-old man do not look like a 30-year-old man. That is just the case. And no animal doesn't look different 20 years down the line, right? I mean, that just isn't a thing. Like, tortoises, (laughs) you know, it's going to be a 70-year-old tortoise going to look different than a 90-year-old tortoise or whatever the longest-living reptile is. So the point is, is if you have sacrificed so much of your life for your kids, not socialized, not gone out, been kind of, you know, miserable looking at your phone and, you know, compulsively vacillating between looking at the intimacy porn stuff and uh, how to better help your child express their emotions, then you are going to feel like that time was you know, not time you were living for yourself and when and if and when your children finally do leave the house, you're going to feel like you wish that you had back some of that time where you felt different, where you were younger, where you had more energy. So if you have the money and the time for it, a lot of people go immediately into some sort of self-improvement program, whether that is the gym, CrossFit, you know, go to the doctor for hormone replacement therapy, cool, whatever works. However, you're still not 20 years younger. So when issues crop up related to not being 20 years younger, then people are shocked, angry, and frequently blame the partner, which is the entire point of of why I see this and view it as an issue. So at that juncture is when men say things like, well, why isn't my wife trying harder to basically be more like she was when she was 30 years old? You know, people don't say this about any other stage of life. Like people aren't like, why did that teenager become more serious minded? That's terrible. Why aren't they just trying harder to hang on to adolescence? Nobody says that because it's crazy. And because it's thought to be positive that a 25-year-old would, you know, show up for work every day in the way that a 15-year-old wouldn't. And a 35-year-old even more so would be even more serious-minded and uh, into their career and less likely to, you know, not come into work because they were smoking up all night, right? And that's considered to be good. But then what about when we get further on? Well, then people get different too. They keep on maturing. Their priorities shift, their values shift, their energy level shifts, all of it shifts because they're growing and they're evolving into the next stage of life. Now, does this mean, of course, that's still the ubiquitous question, unfailingly, that will be asked is, does that mean that my postmenopausal wife won't have sex with me? Of course, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, is she having sex with you? Like, I mean, I'm not in charge of that unless you are seeing me directly for couples counseling where I can try to make headway, but it will not come without empathy on both sides and empathy for this perspective just as a warning, right? So, of course, I also have my menopause podcast. But the point is, yes, you can still have sex and you can still have an enjoyable life when you are older, but it's not going to look like when you were 30 when you're 50, Yes, you have more money. Yes, you have more time. Is it fair that then that money and that time does not translate into being able to basically live like a wealthier version of who you were when you were 30? It is not fair, I guess, but it is only normal and natural. And the more that we run away from like understanding aging, the more that people tend to have problems. They tend to get angry, depressed, and have marital problems. So... What is the answer? Is the answer then you say, all right, well, then should I just never exercise? And, you know, like my my potential uh, 
listener here that I always say, you know, the you that I'm saying is always like this total asshole devil's advocate, but I do get a lot of emails like that. So if I did get such an email, it would say, then are you saying that, you know, we should all just get wrinkly and die? Well, you know, there there's a lot of shades of gray. A person can exercise and a person can learn about sex at midlife without trying to be you know, a completely different earlier stage version of themselves than they actually are. We can balance acceptance as, and change, which is, as I've said in previous podcasts about aging, uh, what DBT is really about. So DBT, Dialectical Behavior Therapy by Marsha Linehan, originally made for borderline personality disorder. It balances the dialectic between acceptance and change. And that is what people really need to do in order to move in a healthy way into midlife. Yes, there were some losses, you know, of course, you you will, do you wish that you were still 30 years old? In some ways, yes. Hopefully, in some ways, no. Hopefully, in some ways, you've gained more wisdom and life experience and you've raised your children, etc. But if not, if, if there have been more losses and regrets, then you can only see who you are now truly, objectively, and try to move on from there. But when people try to recapture an earlier phase like go out partying like they used to and try to drag their wife or their husband or whatever along with them as though somebody who's like 55 isn't going to want to go to bed earlier than somebody who's 25. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So the most conflict that I see is when neither party can validate the other's perspective such that let's say it's the woman who is more in the idea that we are older now. Sometimes it's the man, you know, but if the woman is like, well, listen, I am just in a different stage of life. I just don't find sex as important now. You know, I'll try, but like, it's not going to be like it used to. Well, it, the, the man says, man, I see that. Like, good, good point. I see that. And I would still appreciate us trying, you know, to, to be close like once a week, you know, to be intimate. That goes a lot better than the guys who are like, why not? Why not? Why do you always think inside the box? I know, you You know the people live down the street, right? I mean, shit, that woman's out running eight hours a day, and I mean, she's a year older than you. That's not going to go well. And similarly, it's not going to go well for the woman to say to the man, I have no idea why you want to be younger, why you, why, why you think that we should still act like that. That's totally crazy. I've never in my life had any idea at all that I wish that I was anything different from what I am because, you know, humans have stages. No. Of course, people wish that they still had the energy and the drive and the intensity in some ways of the sex drive and whatever of a younger person that's totally normal. So to say, you know what, I get you and sometimes I feel bad too. At this stage, I feel like, you know, it's a little bit much multiple to have sex multiple times a week. It hurts, etc. I am willing to try other things. I'm willing to, you know, to do a little bit more than I'm doing. And I certainly hear you that it could be disappointing because I feel disappointed in our aging bodies in various ways too. So any sort of empathy and validation is going to do so much better with your partner in this regard than just sticking in your own lane. And of course, this transcends this topic and it's for basically every topic, empathy and validation go better than kind of just staying in your own lane and beating on your own drum about your own ideas. All right, well, I hope you guys found this interesting. Of course, we have some sociology in it, but also, as per usual, trying to make it more applicable to some of the common couple dynamics that I work with. And I'll talk to you all soon. Have a great day.